Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I just want to share with you what God's spirit of place. 1 Kings 19, 19. Touch your neighbor, the one that you like the most, and tell him God has a word with your name on it. Touch your other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate. And <laughs> tell him God has a word of your name on it. Here's what God's spirit placed in my heart for you. First Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his mantle across his shoulders, and then walked away. So Elijah went and found Elisha plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his mantle across his shoulders, and then walked away. I want to share with you briefly this morning on the subject, the plow of perseverance and the mantle of promotion. If you push the plow, you can carry the mantle. Another subtitle would be, when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. There is a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. There is. And I am convinced and convicted that 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 speaks to this very hour. If you turn on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, Univision y Telemundo. You will, you will discover, you will discover, believe it or not, I kid you not, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. You will discover that spiritually speaking, we are living in the days just like those of Ahab and Jezebel. We are. Ahab was a horrible king, a mucho malo hombre. Jezebel was his wife and she was nasty on steroids. She hated the prophets. She persecuted the preachers. She rejected every single vestige of truth. Elijah was God's chosen prophet, a man of a mantle, a man of a message, a man with a mission. That Elijah saw a man named Elisha pushing a plow, breaking a ground, and sowing the seed. When as instructed by God, he places his mantle upon Elijah. A mantle that changed his life and the history of an entire nation. One that would subsequently embody the notion of a greater portion. Here it is. God always provides a prophetic antidote to pathetic times. Ahab represents, spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, Ahab represents forces with access and authority attempting to prompt us to sacrifice truth on the altar of expediency. Jezebel represents, que señora reprenda, Jezabel tremenda. Jezebel represents the manipulation, because it's Pentecost, I'm speaking another language. Jezebel! represents the manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, cultural, corrupt spirit with the intent to kill the prophetic voices, to silence truth, and construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize the oracles of righteousness and justice. Simply stated, in Orange County, California, definitely in Sacramento, for certain Stockton, across California and across America, we cannot deny the following. And we see it, man. We see it. We even saw the horrific tragedy in Santa Fe, Texas. This, this, we can't deny the following. The spirit of Jezebel is alive and well. Persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to decapitate the children of the cross. 
The spirit of Ahab is alive and well, robbing love and killing joy and destroying peace. The spirit of Baal is alive and well, demanding that truth be sacrificed on the altar of the false. But I'm not here as a doomsday preacher. I'm here to tell you with a smile on my face and expectancy in my heart, it's not over. It's not over. Now, how can I be certain that that sort of sort of Pollyannish, optimistic, uber unbridled optimism? I know this because of biblical truth, because of the power of still. What still? God is still on the throne. His blood still works. His spirit is still moving. And there, believe it or not, there is still power in the name of Jesus. So don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. What does that mean? It means don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. What does that mean? It means don't drink the Kool-Aid. Put a smile on your face. Because regardless of what we see on television or social media or the postings on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, regardless of what we read in the front cover of the newspaper, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, whatever it may be, the, the most powerful spirit is not what the media is telling you. The most powerful spirit is not what social media is telling you. What does that mean, Pastor Rodriguez? I'm here to tell you with 100% biblical certainty that the most powerful spirit in Orange County, California, in California, in America, in Latin America, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, how about this, in North Korea, in Iraq, in Iran, in the Middle East, the most powerful spirit is not Jezebel, it's not Baal, it's not Ahab, the most powerful spirit is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. It's still the Spirit of God. It's still the Spirit of the Lamb. It's still the Spirit of the line of the tribe of Judah. If you believe that, shout like you believe it. Praise like you believe it. It is that Spirit indeed. And where that Spirit is present, there is power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17, where that Spirit is present, there is freedom. But that, that certainty, that foundation, enables us to understand the following, that this man, Elisha, was not binging on Netflix. <laughs> to me, it's not a coincidence, what theological terms, it was not a coincidence, that Elijah places his mantle upon a man who wasn't binging on Netflix, nothing wrong with Netflix, Narco and The Crown and Stranger Things. Lost in Space is pretty cool, by the way. I mean, it's just not danger, Will Robinson. It, all of that is there, but, it, but he, he was, every single day, we know via the conduit of historical contextualization, that every single day he would have to push, with the exception of the day of the Sabbath, he would have to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. Every single day, with the exception of the rest day, he would have to wake up in the morning and he would have to push the plow, break the ground and sow the seed. He would have to do it on sunny days and on rainy days, on days when everyone liked him and on days when people unfollowed him on Instagram. He would have to do it on days when things were great with his relationships and things were not so great. When, when he felt positive, when he felt it wouldn't matter. He, every single day he would get up and push the plow. He would break the ground and sow the seed. I don't find it to be a coincidence at all whatsoever that God determined that that man who knew how to push the plow would receive the mantle. Don't expect the mantle if you're not willing to push the plow. The plow 
hell precedes the mantle. And I'm speaking to you metaphorically, biblically, spiritually, and prophetically. It's about pushing the plow. And so this message is, who is this message for? It's, it's for every single person here who in your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your relationship, in your personal relationship with Jesus, in your, in your career, in your calling, you know what it is to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. I'm speaking to everyone who has been doing it faithfully on sunny days and on rainy days, on good days and bad days, on days when heaven was released in your favor and on days where you felt hell rose up totally against you. Regardless, you've been, you've been pushing the plow, breaking the ground and sowing the seed. You've been pushing, pushing, breaking, sowing, pushing, breaking, sowing. That's for you. And, and but I've been there. I know, I know what it is to be pushing the plow, but I kid you not. Where one time I looked at God and said, and I said, God, I'm done. It was an evening. And I said, I, I just can't push the plow anymore. I can't do this anymore. I just can't. It's too heavy. It's too tiresome. It's too much against me. I can't push the plow. I can't break the ground. I'm done. I'm telling you I'm done. I wish I wouldn't be telling you this, but I'm done. That's what I said that evening. For whatever reason in the world, morning came and guess who got up pushing the plow, breaking the ground and sowing the seed? Oh, by the way, I got up not because I am, not because I'm introverted or extroverted, not because I'm Republican or Democrat, not because I'm liberal or conservative, not because I'm charismatic or automatic. The reason why I got up has nothing to do with my personality or my ethnocultural contextualization. The reason I got up is simple. The same spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of me. It is the same reason why many of you are here today in this service. You got up, not on your accord, not on your own strength, not on your own power, not on your own ability, not on your own wherewithal, not on your own fortitude or acumen. You got up because the same spirit that resurrected Jesus lives inside of you. So here it is, here it is. If you've been pushing the plow, breaking the ground and sowing the seed, then this message is for you. If, this, if, this, if you haven't been pushing the plow, if you don't know what it is to break ground or sow seed, if you don't know what it is to push, then you, I would highly recommend for you to go on ESPN and look at the all the projections regarding the Warriors game and what's forthcoming. But if you have been pushing the plow, breaking the ground, sowing the seed, raise your right hand. Because here's the word for you. I kid you not. There. Woo. Calmate, hijo. If you've done it when the windows of heaven shined on you and on days where the powers of hell were unleashed to stop you and you're still here. Here's God's word for you today. And I say that with fear and trembling. There's a mantle. A fresh touch from heaven coming your way. No, I kid you not. There's a heavenly deposit coming your way. There's a shift in your atmosphere coming your way. There are resources and harvest coming your way. God's about to touch you and your family. He's about to touch you and your children and your children's children in such a way you will not be known by what you push. You will be known by what you carry. If you receive it, give God one more praise and say it's mine. But it wasn't just any mantle. 
The mantle was not just a piece of cloth or clothing acquired at your local H&M, whatever it may be. It wasn't Zara or Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom. It was the mantle that Elijah carried throughout the drought, the fire, and the rain. The mantle had a testimony. It was symbolic of the assignment, the anointing, and the authority from heaven. Ah, the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. Repeat after me, drought, fire, and rain. So the prophet, before he gave it to him, this mantle went through a journey of drought, fire, and rain. 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were politically correct, so they said nothing. Yep. This mantle is about you overcoming the drought, going through the fire, and receiving the rain. That's what this mantle is for, meaning the assignment, the deposit, the authority. Let me explain this. The people said nothing. This mantle is provocative. This mantle, what God's about to do next in your life, and I kid you not, is going to be so measurable, so palpable, that it will prompt your family, your friends, and even your haters to say, look what the Lord has done. It, but you need to understand this. With this mantle, you have to understand that today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Let me reiterate. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Number two, you are what you tolerate. Number three, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. This is not about a mantle for you to take a selfie and go, I have a mantle. This is not narcissistic Christianity. It's about changing the world with the authority and the love and the grace and the truth of Jesus. Number four, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political, cultural, or sexual expediency. And number five, I get this pushback from certain theologians and scholars who, who tell me, Pastor Sam, you're, you're out there preaching about an awakening and revival and God moving. It doesn't really matter. You're wasting your time. Things will get darker. Things are going to get darker, darker, darker. We're in the last times, the last days. Jesus is coming. Regardless of what you say, the devil will be winning. He'll be winning. He'll be winning. He'll be winning. So you're wasting your time. Wow. With great due deference to your eschatology and your dispensationalism. While we all believe that Jesus is coming back. While we're waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. Yep, Ephesians 5, 27. So let me ask real quick here, real quick. If you've been through at least one spiritual ministry related, family related, relational or financial drought in your life, at least one, raise one hand. Oh, snap. If you've been through a couple of major droughts in your life, raise both hands. Just got real. If you've been through so many you lost count, raise both hands and a foot. <laughs> if you've been through so many, if I Google the word drought right now, your Instagram account pops up. <laughs> well, well, it's drought, by the way, again, because this whole Baptocostal in me, it's, 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 I'm committed to biblical truth. We can't exaggerate things. There is a chronological order to 1 Kings 18, which means it's drought, fire, rain. That's the order and you can't bypass the process. What does that mean? It means that people want to jump from the drought to the rain about going to the fire. Every single person who has a mantle goes through drought, fire, and rain. 
We're speaking spiritually. We're speaking metaphorically. We're speaking prophetically. In your life, at one moment or another. So if you've been through the drought, it, there's the fire. What's the fire? The fire is that stage where God purifies and sanctifies. These are theological terms for God removing the stuff in you and around you that would have held back the fulfillment of his purpose through you. One more time. It's the stage where God removes things in you. It could be attitudes, habits, indiscretion. It could be a way of thinking, behavior, vocabulary. But he also removes things around you. It could be even people that, that were surrounding your life that would have hindered the fulfillment. And if God removes something in you and around you, stop whining. Give God a shout of praise because it only means, it only means... So if you've been through the drought and you've been through the fire, get ready. I kid you not. The next thing coming your way is nothing less than abundant rain. There is rain coming your way. Ezekiel 34, 26. In the proper season, I will send the showers they need and they will be showers of blessing. Indeed, little, little footnote. Those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. Because there, there are certain people that abandoned you, deuces, when everything turned back. When everything came against you, they, they were with you when things were great. And when everything came bad in your life, they just left you and abandoned you. And then back when you find yourself in the rain and the mantle and the favor, they want to get around you and like, 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 like. I want you to hear me. You're not defined by the likes of many. You're defined by the love of one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. We gotta, yeah. But it's not just the drought, fire, and rain. The mantle was on Elijah before it was on Elijah when he confronted the false gods and said, there's only one true God. First Kings 18, 24. Call upon the name of your God. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fuego. That's the real God. Fuego. Fuego. He said cojones. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> You cursed. All right. <laughs> we, we learn that only God can make something out of nothing. Genesis 1.1. Only the real God can make a way where there is no way. Isaiah 43, 19. Only God can show up and restore things like the damage never happened. Luke 22, verse 51. Only God. Somebody say, only God. So this mantle that's coming your way, because if you've been pushing the plow, breaking the ground and sowing the seed, there is a mantle coming your way. Again, the mantle is not a physical piece of cloth. It is a spiritual deposit that will enhance, enrich, and empower your assignment, your authority, and your anointing for such a time as this. A favor of God. God going, tag, you're it. Boo, hey, hey, that's it. So it changes everything. But, but here it is. It's not for you again to keep it. It's not some sort of private mantle. It is a mantle, believe it or not, for public execution and display. What does that mean? You can't be a private Christian, man. You, this is not Christianity Sunday morning, baby. This thing is for you to walk it out and live it out Monday through Sunday. Are you with me right now? Wherever you go, 
You are unashamed of the gospel. So, let me real quick. It, it was November 2015. It was Facebook. Be by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 15.10. I get that. It's, it's uh, by the grace of God, I've had the opportunity of serving as an advisor to three presidents. President George W., President Obama, even though I disagreed with 92.3% of his policies, and, and President Donald Trump. And I disagreed with them on each of them on respective policies or rhetoric or whatever, but God had me there. I never invited myself, never did it. When I was 14 years old in an Assembly of God church, I, my, I mean, my, my parents are not preachers. I was an, uh, an evangelical agnostic, which meant my parents forced me to go to church. And I was there, and I'm a Trekkie. So I'm a math guy. I'm a nerd. I believe in algebra and calculus and still believe that calculus is the language of God. But anyway, that's a different story for another day. So I was there. I was 14 years old. Some guy came in there from Teen Challenge, and he looked at me. He called me out. There's, he literally called me out by name. I don't mean like there's somebody here. He stopped singing. Never met the guy before in my life. So if you don't believe in, like, in the gifts and God and all this stuff, ha-ha, <laughs> Welcome, ha-ha, <laughs> yeah. So he walked in there. He never met the guy. He stops his song and goes, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, Sam, there's a, there's a Samuel. Nope, there's a young Samuel, a Sammy that God's talked. There's, there's a Sammy in the house. God gave me a word for a Sammy. The whole church, it was a Latino church. They were so introverted. They all pointed to me. Ahí está. Ahí está el muchacho. Ahí está, búscalo. Man, I said, if this rapture stuff that mom said is real, let it happen right now. <laughs> God comes out and says, you know when God tells you, you're going to, at the age of 14, you're going to pray over presidents? There was a young lady in the crowd who heard it. She saw it all. That smart girl. She, she ended up, well, she's my wife now of 28 years. <laughs> smart. She's smart. She said, this stuff is real. I'm investing in that guy right there. Yo me caso con ese flaco porque Dios tiene algo para él. So, real quick, real quick. So, my, my point to you is, so I have a weird audience. My audience is Christian, secular, eclectic, news people. So, Feb, it, was, it was November 2015, and all of a sudden, I do something on my Facebook page, which was so egregious, so wrong, so politically incorrect, so bigoted, discriminatory, so completely unacceptable. I can't believe I did that. This is what I did. I posted, how wrong, how could I have done that? Jesus is the only way. That was it. I am so sorry for posting that. It was so wrong of me. The pushback, I, I did it with a, I, I don't do drama, and I, I can't tolerate angry evangelicalism. I think that's hypocritical. I, I think we, the only way we can change the world is truth and love. But the angry Christian stuff has to stop in the name of Jesus. It's oxymoronic in spirit and in form. There's a difference between righteous indignation about things that happen inside the church or demonstrating anger outside the church. So, man, so I did it with love, but the pushback I got was egregious. I kid you not. You, true story, you need to die. Your type of people are destroying the world. I went, Puerto Ricans? <sighs> That's Jennifer and Mark Anthony. Don't blame me, man. I just... <laughs> Kid you not. It got nasty. They would say, you're, you're myopic way of thinking. You're bigotry. That your religion is destroying the world when you say there's only one way. And then the, some of them were like prophesying in the middle of it. Parenthetically, they were... In, we wish you and everyone who believes what you believe will one day disappear. 
up in the waves. But then it got personal. They started mentioning my kids, which I never knew they got. And then they put my home address, which was private and blocked and secured and all that because of what we do. And I went like, my wife said FBI time because now they're threatening like to bomb and kill and all that. So it got really weird. So embedded in there, it's about the mantle, only God. Embedded in there was this. If you stop saying this, we'll stop harassing you and we won't threaten you. We'll stop if you stop saying it. Matter of fact, someone flipped it. And, and the flip was, if you stop saying that, other great doors will open up for you. That's called coercion, bribery. So, it's, but the thing they don't understand is, I, I know what it is to push the plow. I know what it is to break the ground and sow the seed. On good days and bad days, on sunny days and rainy days, on days where I had all the strength and on days where I couldn't even get up. But I kept on pushing because of him. So this thing fell upon me. And I don't really have a choice. Where's the camera, man? Give me a tight shot. <laughs> because of this mantle, I am contractually, biblically, prophetically obligated. Here it is. Just in case I stuttered. There are not five ways to heaven. There are not four ways to heaven. There are not three ways to heaven. There are not two ways to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. 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 One way for eternal life. One way for abundant life. One way for new life. One way to be delivered. One way to be born again. One way to avoid eternal condemnation. And that way has a name. What name? It is the name above every other name. It is the name to whom which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. That name is Jesus Christ. And there is no other name. If you believe that, give God a shout of praise. Somebody shout, only God. Only God. Only God. Only God. There is a fight. There is a fight to silence the truth of the centrality of Christ. There is a fight for us to water down the gospel and to tell the world, that there are multiple ways to get to the big guy, to get to the big sky. There's only one way, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot sacrifice truth regardless of what Baal or Ahab or Jezebel may demand. We can't, we can't because we have a mantle that obligates us with fear and trembling, with truth and with grace to declare Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one reaches the Father not through Christ. If you believe that, raise your right hand. Let me, I'm going to wrap up. Let me show you something. I got to show you something. Oh boy. Are there any questions? She said, let me, I got I to gotta finish. So, so he, he did this. He did this in front of Jezebel's husband, the king. The king comes down, porque era chismoso. What are you saying, guy? Oh, stop it. <laughs> the guy was a gossiper. Ahab was controlled by his wife. And he comes down and he looks at, and, and he looks at Jezebel and says, 1 Kings 19.1, 1, 
And he says, oh, man, that guy, the guy, oh, the man with the mantle, he, and fuego, and, and boo, and chop, 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 and boom, your whole, you no longer have a team. The insurance policy kicked in, Jezebel. So Jezebel says this, 1 Kings 19, 2, watch this. She says this, I swear by my God, by this time tomorrow in 24 hours, the man with the mantle, the prophet Elijah, will be dead. She prophesied. Because it sounded like a prophecy by this time tomorrow. But here's what happened. That's what she said. It's, it's the mantle of the drought, fire, and rain. It's the mantle of only God. But it's the mantle of when heaven starts and hell could not stop it. Because 24 hours passed. Elijah did not die. 48 hours passed, Elijah did not die. 72 hours when Elijah died. 96 hours passed, Elijah, in full disclosure, one week passed, Elijah did not die. One month passed, Elijah did not die. One year passed, Elijah did not die. In full disclosure, one decade passed, Elijah did not die. One century passed, Elijah did not die. One millennia passed, what? You have to juxtapose 1 Kings 19, 2 with 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, where it says that the good Lord took Elijah up in a whirlwind. He's one of the few people in the history of mankind never to experience death. Y'all missed it. I'm here to tell you, Jezebel said, you're dying in 24 hours. God said, ha ha, you're not going to die at all. Whatever the devil has declared upon you, I'm going to say that one more time. Whatever hell has declared upon you or your children or your children's children or your children's children's children or your destiny or your health or your finances or your circumstance, the opposite will take place because when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Philippians 1, 6. He who started a good work will finish the work he has started. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 He who called you is faithful to do it. Galatians 6.9 Do not grow weary of doing what is right. In your appointed time you will reap a harvest of blessings if you do not give up. When heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. If you would only understand how many times at the end, how many times do you think that they interviewed the devil the day you were born and they would have asked the devil, where will you be today on this Sunday morning? You think the enemy would have said, Free Chapel, Orange County, listening to a loud Latino from Sacramento? <laughs> nope. The enemy would have said, Easily, Jezebel, extension. <laughs> Today, hospital, mental asylum. Today, that guy over there, he's going to be somehow waking up in an alley after getting high. That person's waking up from a hangover. That person should be in, that one will be in prison. That one will be in jail. That one will be so broken in so many pieces that no way would they be able to get up. And the, according to the enemy's plans, some of you should be in jail, prison, mental asylum, right now waking up in an alley. Some of you should be six feet under. But it's Sunday. And guess where you? 
You are not in jail. You are not in prison. You are not in an asylum. You are not in an alley. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. You are not forsaken. You are not hopeless. You are not six feet under. You are in God's house lifting up the name of Jesus because when heaven starts in hell cannot stop it. Right there where you're at, right there where you're at. I gotta wrap up. This is the reason why, Señor, calmate, hijo. This is the reason why some of us praise and get excited the way we get excited. And you're saying, oh, you're just loud because it's a cultural, ethnocultural, contextualized manifestation of your praise and worship modality or modus operandi. Oh, stop it. Get over yourself, man. That's not the reason why I'm the way I am. I'm not weird, but I'm wired. <laughs> That's what Pentecost is about, right? Pentecost doesn't make us weird, but it makes us wired to change the world. That it does. And I used to think that praise and worship was a cultural thing, that white people would praise one way, that black and Latinos would praise another, that Asians would praise only in their mind. That's the way that I used to think in my mind. That's the way I used to think. And that was wrong and not biblical. Why? I went around the world and I found out that praise is actually a mathematical equation. I found out that the size of your praise is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. In other words, if God took you out of a little hell, then you give him a little praise. But if he saved you, if he delivered you, if he healed you, if he turned you around, then you give him the highest. Me. You are standing. And I praise because Jezebel said I was going to die. And God said, now you're going to live more than before. I praise because I know what it is to push the plow and break the ground and sow the seed. But I'm here. Just like Elijah's, I'm here. And, and I'm going to tell you why we're here. We're here. We're here because what you carry is greater than what you go through. Because what God has placed on you is greater than anything hell has placed in front of you. You are here not because you perfectly held on to God. You are here because God perfectly held on to you. You are here not because your faith is so efficient. You are here because His grace is always sufficient. You are here because of Romans 8:11. You are here because God does great things with broken pieces. You are here because your testimony is proof that the devil is a liar. <laughs> you are here because when life throws you rocks, you build an altar. Ah. <sighs> Lift up your hands. I'm done. Time is done. This is about the plow and the mantle, and it serves as a metaphor for life. There's a season to push the plow and a season to carry the mantle in every aspect of your life. In everything of your life, man, there's a plow season and a mantle season. Only through Christ, through a personal relationship with Jesus, can you carry your mantle. Only, again, it's a metaphor. It's a biblical, prophetic metaphor. 
But the moment he placed it upon him, do your biblical due diligence. Let go of this. He immediately let go. Let go. You have to learn. It's a mantle of letting go. Do not settle for a perpetual plow. Do not settle for manna in the desert when there's milk and honey waiting for you in the promised land. Learn to let go. Let go of ideas, constructs, belief systems. Let go of prejudices. Let go of old way of thinking that does not line up with biblical truth. Let go of fear and anxiety. Let go of confusion. Let go. Ephesians 4.31. Letting go of every vestige of anger and bitterness and rage. Let go. Let go. Everybody say, let go. Let go. We have to. Ooh, we will never see the fullness of what God has for us un until we learn the power of letting go. And tuck it in. The last thing is the mantle of tuck it in. Elijah tucked it in before he gave it to Elisha when he was running down, competing with the chariot of Ahab. Tuck it. He tucked it in. I want you to hear me. I need you to not to forget. Tuck the mantle in. Not for your sake, but for the sake of those that will follow you. Because your children and your children's children will do greater things than you in the name of Jesus. So raise your hands. Let me release this word upon you. With this mantle, you will not tolerate failure. You will not surrender truth. You will not be silent. You will not listen to Ahab. You will not bow before Baal. You will not hide in caves or permit Jezebel to define your life. With this mantle, you will do nothing less than change the world. Because when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.